0: This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Our guest today is Mike Siegel, Global Head of the Insurance Asset Management and Liquidity Solutions Businesses within Goldman Sachs Asset Management, or GSAM as we call it. Every year, Mike joins us because GSAM and his team there put out an insurance report on how insurance companies are allocating capital, and that helps give us a glimpse into the investing universe more broadly. On this episode, we're going to talk with Mike about the findings of this year's report and some follow-on conversations he had. Welcome back to the program, Mike.
1: Jake, good to see you. Thank you. Wish it was in person, but good to see you anyway. These are the times we live in.
0: I mentioned the report, but give us a little background, Mike, on why you do the report, how it's different, obviously, this year from other years and and what you found. Well, Jake, as you know, we've been
1: doing this report for the last several years. It's intended to get a good feel for how the industry is thinking and where they are going to be investing. This year's report is quite different, as you can imagine, from prior years. We surveyed our CIOs during the January and first week of February of this year. We received back responses from 273 CIOs and CFOs representing over $13 trillion in industry assets or close to half of the assets in the global insurance industry. COVID at the time was something we were hearing about in China. There were a few cases in Europe. There was nothing here. But as we now know, the virus spread and the global financial markets began to react with a violent sell-off. So we took a look at some of the pre-COVID responses, such as views on the equity markets, views on rate markets, currencies, and we concluded these results are no longer relevant. So instead, we turned around and interviewed several of the senior chief investment officers from some of the largest insurance companies around the globe. These companies cover different geographies and different lines of business. We asked these CIOs how their institutions are responding today, the outlook for the future, and we published a snapshot of each of these interviews. And we've also reported on some of the trends that are still quite relevant, such as the adoption of ESG, the adoption of insurance tech, and views on M&A activity. So this year's report does not look like prior year's reports.
0: Uh, just as this year doesn't look like prior years. So two of the key takeaways from these conversations with CIOs involve continuation of trends, namely the move from public to private, particularly into private equity and private credit. Given the current market environment today, what do you think continues to drive and even accelerate that trend?
1: Yeah. So Jake, we've seen this for the last several years, the movement of assets from public markets to private markets. It's a trend that we've been seeing globally, and much of it is a response to the low-rate environment. Insurance companies have very patient liabilities. They're not subject to run. They're not subject to a flight to quality. So they're able to invest in the long term in private or illiquid assets because they don't need to sell these assets at a moment's notice in order to get the liquidity to meet claims payments or redemptions. Private assets typically have higher yields, or they have higher expected returns to compensate for the lack of liquidity. And given the current low rate environment, and now today, the even lower rate environment for a longer period of time, we see these trends accelerating towards private credit and private equity.
0: So just about all the CIOs noted that their long-term asset allocation didn't change despite all the volatility we saw in Q1 and Q2 of this year. Is it surprising to you that people aren't rethinking their
1: allocations? Well, Jake, it's not surprising, but the key to the sentence is long-term. So indeed, their long-term allocation, their views on long-term allocations haven't changed. And again, what's driving a lot of this is the fact that the rate environment is very low and they need to be reaching into new markets. So private credit, private equity, securitized assets, commercial mortgage loans, emerging market debt. But let's call these long-term trends. Short-term, what are they doing now and what are they going to be doing in the near future? Well, first, they're taking a good look at their real estate portfolios, real estate-owned, commercial mortgages, and users of real estate, such as the retail industry. There, it's either a pause or a look to de-risk because these industries have been affected by the virus and that will continue for quite a while. But getting back to your question, the longer-term allocations, no, companies don't foresee changing that. Once this situation passes, the trends will continue to what we've been seeing before. So a
0: lot of the CIOs also noted that they had been working or had already done some work to de-risk their portfolio assets before the pandemic really took hold. How does this report compare with the results you published in prior years?
1: Jake, we have to recognize that we were coming into the 11th year of a recovery from the 2008-2009 financial crisis. At this point, when we were coming into this year, equity valuations were high, rates were low, spreads were tight. So many chief investment officers concluded that there was very limited value in the financial markets. And at the same time, being in the 11th year of a recovery, at some point in the near future, we were likely to see a recession and then an opportunity to re-risk. So no, it's not that anybody foresaw the global pandemic, but indeed the markets had set themselves up such that they thought de-risking was the more prudent move.
0: So on every podcast that we've hosted recently, I think we've talked about ESG. Your report finds that 95% of insurers find hurdles as it relates to implementing ESG and their investment strategies. What are the conversations around ESG look like with insurance companies today?
1: Well, Jake, I'll say a few things. One is we're having many more conversations and we're having them very broadly across all of the industries within the insurance industry and all the geographies. And beyond that, we're having it at multiple levels within the companies. So it's at the CEO that needs to respond to the communities that the CEO is serving, the CFO, the chief risk officer, the chief investment officer. So, for example, property casualty companies are very subject to climate change. They're seeing an increase in hurricanes and tsunamis and flooding activity in wildfires. So they need to assess the impact of the environment or climate change on their operations. They also ask the question, well, that's what's happening to my operations, but what about the investments that the company is making? Are they also subject to these same environmental trends? So that's what we're seeing with property casualty companies. But overall, the entire industry is taking ESG very seriously. We're seeing this in terms of companies driving for more diversity and good governance on companies' boards. A more diverse board makes for a stronger company and a more resilient investment. Obviously, the lack of diversity or poor governance makes for a weaker or more risky investment. So companies want to be responsible to the communities they serve, their clients, their employees, their governments. It's good business. So ESG has come to the forefront of this. The implementation, though, becomes tricky. What does that really mean? And it breaks into two different things. One is just to assess, assess your exposure to these factors, and then to make decisions on how to move forward. And that could be in terms of the company, in terms of their policies, and or it could be in the way they invest in their portfolios.
0: Well, to that point, the report shows that ESG continues to sort of climb as a consideration for the investment portfolio. But how have you seen that conversation and interest from the insurance companies evolve? And where do you think it's heading?
1: When we first started surveying, it was the topic of ESG was important in Northern Europe, and that was it. And it was more in the pension world than it was in the insurance world. But it started to spread a bit. It spread through much of continental Europe. And then we saw an interest in Asia both in Japan and in South Asia. Finally, we started to see the interest develop here in the States. And I think at this point, in almost every annual report that you'll read for our clients, there is some mention of ESG or societal interests or environmental interests. So it's coming from the top and it's getting pushed down through these organizations. Each year we've been serving, we've seen an increased interest globally in ESG as a consideration in the investment process.
0: There's obviously been a fair amount of M&A in the insurance space. Some big headlines recently, you know, companies typically will say there's an opportunity for synergy, operational efficiency, and that's driving the activity. Has the level of activity surprised you at all? Is it kind of expected or what do you think is accounting for it?
1: Jake, I don't think a surprise at all. This industry, like many others, is under tremendous margin pressure. And in particular for the insurance industry, they're seeing their costs go up. And I just referenced wildfires, tsunamis, flooding. I mean, that becomes claims costs. At the same time, their revenue is falling because the returns they're getting on their investment portfolio are falling. That's an important component of their revenue stream. So we see margin compression. Then in addition, technology is beginning to play a very important role in the industry. It's an offensive weapon. They're using it in order to reduce their cost of acquisition for clients. They're using it to better assess data, which requires a lot of computing power. They're using it to make their operations more efficient. This technology is very costly and it requires scale. So all of these factors, increased operation costs, need to make deeper investments in technology, reduced returns on the investment portfolio is pushing margins tighter, and it's making these companies look at other ways to restore margin. Consolidation is one of those things. Bringing two organizations together can help them make the organizations more efficient, and it's one of the ways to forestall this pressure on margins.
0: You also noted in the report that 58% of insurance companies are using ETFs in their investment portfolios, similar to last year. The statistic shows that the lead on that's been taken by insurers in the Asia Pacific region. What drives the outsized interest in that product from that region?
1: Much of the ETF investing is in equities. So still in the area of fixed income, most of the time, companies create their own portfolios with their own customization. But in terms of equities, public equities, quite often they are indexers. And in Asia in particular, there's been an interest in equity ETFs, particularly to the broad-based indices like the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the Russell indices. And ETFs are a very low-cost and efficient way to get index exposure.
0: You also know that 60% of global insurance companies reportedly invest or evaluate insure tech investments. That's a hard phrase to pronounce. But how does GSAM, Insurance Asset Management, continue to engage with this up-and-coming field, insure tech?
1: Well, we're keeping a very close eye on it. As I mentioned before, technology is helping to bring down costs for the industry. And many of these startup companies are starting up just technology-based our banking team and investment banking team has been bringing a number of these companies to the public markets, including very recently, and our merchant bank has been investors in these companies in early stage. We become the beneficiary when they come public and they start to write business, and we are managing the assets of a number of these startup insurer tech companies in our insurance asset management business.
0: Well, Mike, thanks for the update on what's going on in the minds of the CIOs, and thanks for
1: joining us again this year. Jake, good to see you. And again, I hope to see you in person next time.
0: All right. That concludes this episode of Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment and tune in later in the week for our weekly markets update, where we talk to leaders around the firm for their quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on Monday, July 13th, 2020. Thanks for listening.